0: Well, good morning. Please open your Bibles to Paul's second letter to Timothy, Second Timothy chapter three. And if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the back of your sermon insert. This morning we will be taking a look at the crucial, the vital, the important need for us all to persevere. That's what our passage is about this morning perseverance hence our title be prepared to persevere in the last days of his life and while he was bound with chains as a criminal Paul wrote this letter to Timothy who was in Ephesus in chapter 3 verses 1 to 9 he tells Timothy to understand that difficult times will come because wicked sinful people will get worse they will be like Janus and Jambres who rejected Moses and were guided by their sinful desires rather than the truth. Against that dark and difficult backdrop, Paul points out that unlike those men who opposed Moses, Timothy has closely followed Paul's example. And unlike those men who will not get very far, Timothy should persevere should progress, should continue in God's word. That is the central instruction of our passage this morning in verses 10 to 16. I'd like to read the whole chapter of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and then we'll end with a word of prayer. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. But understand this "'swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, "'having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. "'Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households "'and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, "'always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. "'Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth.' men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Let's pray. Lord, this morning I do pray that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wondrous things out of your law. We thank you for the faithfulness, the perseverance of Paul, and we thank you that Timothy also displayed that kind of perseverance, and in turn, Paul speaks to us this morning in his letter, exhorting us, encouraging us, to keep going, to not stop, even in the face of increasing wickedness and evil. And so we pray that you would strengthen us to apply your word. We pray that you would help us to be changed into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So in verses 10 to 16, and I will be just going to verse 16 uh, this morning. Jeremy will be finishing up this passage next week Paul gives Timothy and by implication us three ways in which, in which we must persevere and the first way that we must persevere is to imitate your mentor's way of life imitate your mentor's way of life Paul says you however have followed my teaching my conduct my aim in life my faith my patience my love my steadfastness And so on. To imitate or here we have followed means to fully know or investigate. It means to trace out or examine, pay close attention to. And this is not only examination, it's not only watching someone, but it's also application. It's not only paying attention, but it's also practicing. And uh, it's similar to an apprenticeship. You're working side-by-side someone, you're seeing how they do the job, and you're copying them. This is what Timothy did with Paul. Why should we imitate our mentor's way of life? It's important that we do that because we rely on other people in the church for our growth. Maverick Christianity, or go-it-alone Christianity, is a foreign concept in Scripture. And it, of course, should be avoided. And if you don't have a mentor, then you should find one. And if you already have a mentor, keep imitating that mentor. Now I'd like to move on to two ways in which Timothy imitated Paul. First, Timothy studied Paul's life. You will notice in verse 10 that Paul mentions teaching first. You, however, have followed my teaching. And I think he mentions teaching, first of all, on purpose. And that teaching was the very foundation of Paul's life and ministry. He says to the elders of Ephesus at Miletus in Acts chapter 20. um, In Acts chapter 20, he says... Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then later on he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so the teaching of Paul, he says, was able to build these elders up and to give them the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And I take that to mean the whole of his teaching. Paul's whole teaching was critical in order for him to grow into maturity and to grow into the likeness of Christ. Now there are two ways in which Timothy could study Paul's life. He was a student of Paul's life. The first way is that he made time with someone more mature. He made time with someone more mature. Timothy understood that having a mentor meant sacrificing his time. And of course, that means that you can't have a mentor relationship, at least a significant mentor relationship on Sunday mornings. It has to be more than that from Monday to Saturday. You have to carve out time in your schedule, and we know that Timothy was with Paul for an extent of possibly 15 years. And of course, he even sacrificed a good amount of his time just joining his missionary team. That's all he did. But also, we can see that Timothy was humble. He wanted to be in the company of someone more mature. That means he recognized his ignorance. He recognized that he had a lack of wisdom. And he also... Took value, he saw value in a more obedient believer. And just as an encouragement to all of us, whatever or whoever your mentor is doesn't have to be an identical copycat of Paul. He doesn't have to be super mature and uh, a big time missionary or a spiritual giant, it could just simply be another believer another believer who has more knowledge of Scripture, another believer who practices self-control better than you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says this is the importance of spending time with one another. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So this is an encouragement also to those who are older, who are more mature, to make yourself available and pursue those whom you can benefit. Paul made himself available to Timothy. So not only was it true that Timothy made time with someone more mature, but also he paid attention to sound teaching. He paid attention to sound teaching. Timothy knew that the godly conduct in Paul flowed out of sound teaching. It began with sound teaching. Paul says about Timothy in the same letter in chapter one, verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then even to the extent that Timothy was so capable of Uh, discharging or teaching someone else, the Corinthian church, about what Paul had taught him, he says in 1 Corinthians 4.17, that is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. And so some of the ways that we can be paying attention to sound teaching in relation to our mentors is ask questions. Let him tell you what he believes. And as it aligns with scripture, adopt those teachings. And this is something that uh, I can struggle with, I think, and some of you can as well. But when we get together with our mentors, get together with those friends who are older than us and more mature than us, uh, let's not talk so much about sports or our other interests that are not going to benefit our spiritual maturity. A second way in which Timothy imitated his mentors was that Timothy conformed to Paul's conduct. He didn't just study his life, he didn't just listen to Paul's teaching, but he also conformed to his conduct. And I would say conduct is found in the last eight aspects of what Timothy has followed in verses 10 and 11. Teaching, conduct, uh, excuse me, the teaching, conduct, the last eight would be conduct, aim in life, faith, patience, love, steadfastness, persecutions, and sufferings. And these, uh, this conduct, remember the word for followed, Timothy had closely investigated, traced out uh, what uh, traced out what Paul looked like, what kind of fruit he bore in his life, and these are the two parts of an apprenticeship or a discipleship, studying and conforming now, how would uh, Timothy conform to to Paul, how should we conform to our mentors? Well, first of all, he adopted Paul's ambitions, and ambitions would be his aim in life or his purpose or his motives. What drove Paul what was what were his intentions? Second Timothy 210, uh, Paul talks about his intentions, his motives he says Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then we also see another uh, motive of Paul in Second Timothy chapter four, verses six to seven. "I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith." And so the motives that Paul had was for the salvation of the elect. That's why he suffered. That's why he was in chains. And then also in chapter four, his motive was to remain faithful to the end. He didn't seek the recognition of men. He didn't seek the praise of men. He didn't do it uh, to increase his self-esteem. He did it for God's glory. And so we can be reminded here that we need demonstration. We need to have someone copy to, in a sense, manifest the, what it looks like to be a believer. And so secondly, <clears throat> um, Timothy produced the same fruit of the spirit. He not only conformed to Paul's conduct with adopting his ambitions, but he also produced the same fruit of the spirit. Paul didn't have a separate kind of fruit. He didn't have a separate kind of way of life from a regular Christian like any of us. He manifested the same fruit of the Spirit as any other believer. And Timothy was given the same Spirit as Paul. We see that in 2 Timothy 1.7. Paul says, God gave us a Spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So Paul says that God gave us both Timothy and himself, that same spirit. And also, Timothy had the same concern as Paul. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, he says, "'I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, "'so that I too may be cheered by news of you, "'for I have no one like him "'who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare.'" So that is the fruit of the Spirit, the faith and patience and love and steadfastness that Timothy witnessed in Paul, and Timothy could adopt and pattern himself after. So we have seen that, Paul, that Timothy studied Paul's life, and Timothy conformed to Paul's conduct. And this is what it means to imitate someone, to study his life, and conform to his conduct. And this will help us prepare to persevere by knowing that someone has gone before us and demonstrating faithfulness. We need examples. We need people to copy. And a servant, as Jesus says, is not greater than his master. And just like our Lord suffered and was persecuted, so Paul was, and so Timothy, and so we will be. And that brings us to our second point, Endure persecution for the truth. Endure persecution for the truth. And we see that in verses 11 to 13. My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And in this country, at least for the past 50 years or so, or maybe 100 years, we've had quite a relative ease and comfortable living in this country, haven't we? And uh, it's, it would be good of us to remember that this period is an anomaly in church history. For the most part, Church history has been littered with martyrs and bloodshed and suffering for the sake of the gospel. And so just because persecution isn't happening now certainly doesn't mean that it won't be coming. And you can just read the newspaper if you don't believe me. Jesus says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Why should we endure persecution for the truth? Well, because enduring persecution proves the veracity of our claims. It proves that you really are a true believer. The truthfulness of our claims to follow Christ. Remember, he said, all who desire uh, to follow after Christ, well, they should deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow after me. And so from the very beginning, Jesus warned, even those who are interested in following him, that they should expect persecution and even death. What did Timothy know about enduring persecution? The first thing is that Timothy knew Paul's suffering in a personal way. Timothy knew Paul's suffering. He paid close attention to Paul's suffering. And first of all, he heard about his suffering We won't go there now, but in Acts chapter 16, Luke says that Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Well, it was at Lystra where Paul almost died, and he endured intense persecutions from stoning. And so Timothy likely heard about those persecutions and grieved along with the rest of the brothers that there was someone suffering for the gospel. But also, he was with him in suffering. Timothy was with Paul in suffering. If you look at the beginning of the letters to the Philippians, to Philemon, and to Colossians, Timothy is there with Paul. He's with him in chains. He's with him in a dark cell, without food, lonely, knowing that the reason why he was there was for the gospel. And two things Timothy witnessed in Paul's suffering— The first thing is that Paul proved himself faithful through endurance. That's your blank, endurance. Paul proved himself faithful through endurance. And he highlights here in verse 11, three particular cities, Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And I'd like to read just briefly from, and you don't have to turn there, from the book of Acts, so that we can get an idea, we can get our minds around what Paul went through in his persecutions. This is at Antioch, Acts chapter 13. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And now Iconium, Acts chapter 14 when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Liaconia into the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. So up to now we have the people of Antioch driving Paul and the rest of his men out of the district, inciting persecution, stirring up persecution against them, and then also in Iconium, a mistreatment and an attempt to stone them. And now finally we come to Lystra, also in Acts chapter 14. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, so they didn't deem their attempts to be successful. So they traveled all the way to where Paul had traveled, and they wanted to join with the people of Lystra to put this to a stop. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, and here we see Paul proving himself faithful through endurance. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city and on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel, a man left for dead, preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. And what did they do? Strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And we'll see this a little bit later in Paul's letter to Timothy. Encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul proved himself faithful through endurance. He suffered well. How do you suffer well? You keep obeying. You keep going. He counted his life of little value. Not only did Paul prove himself faithful through endurance, but also God, in response, proved himself faithful through deliverance. We see that in verse 11. Which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. From them all the Lord rescued me. God responded to Paul's faithfulness. Timothy saw that. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he rescued Paul. Just like Daniel from the lion's den, he rescued Paul. And we might think, is this promise for me? No, it's only for Paul. But even if God didn't deliver, his promise was still upheld. Listen to what he says at the opening of the letter to Timothy, here in 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, he'll still keep you alive eternally. He will still bring you into his eternal kingdom, even if he doesn't deliver you in this life. The second way in which Timothy experienced or saw that um, enduring persecution was essential was that Paul taught all Christians will suffer persecution. Paul taught that all Christians will suffer persecution. In verse 12 he says, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And you might notice that instead of putting All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, I put Christians because I think they are synonymous. There is no such thing as someone who is defined as not desiring to live godly in Christ Jesus and called a Christian. A Christian, de facto, is someone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus. They have been born of the Word of God. They love the Word of God. They want to do the will of God. And so we might tend to think also that these persecutions that Paul endured were so severe and, I mean, they're written in Scripture, so they're famous. They certainly won't be happening to me anytime soon. But the fact of the matter is, Paul says, every single person who follows Christ will suffer persecution. Why should we care about this? Well, the reason, two reasons why we should care about this is, first of all, because Christians who endure will reign with Christ. Christ. Christians who endure will reign with Christ. Endurance is so important a subject, it was included here in this faithful saying, one of a handful of faithful sayings in the writings of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. The saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. A fundamental lesson then in the early church, a fundamental subject, was that Christians must endure. And endurance is not enduring is a danger for all of us isn't it when was the last time you turned on the news and they told you to keep enduring for the faith of the gospel when was the time you when was the last time one of your coworkers told you on a job site or in the office space to keep pressing on to keep denying yourself to keep exalting christ keep loving loving your wife and controlling your spirit And we see numerous examples of of the dangers of falling away here in this letter. We won't go to them now. But if you jump ship when persecution comes, then just like in Matthew chapter 13, this is the parable of the sower, this is what will be the conclusion. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And so there is a danger that we need to be aware of, which is the whole reason, of course, why Paul exhorts Timothy to endure just as he has endured persecutions. But back to our main point, that Christians who endure will reign with Christ. What does that mean to reign with Christ? It means to share his glory. It means to rule with him. It means more than just not going to hell. It means to be with Christ, to be in his millennial kingdom as we're learning in in Dave's class in ABF. And shouldn't we ask the question, don't you want that? Don't we want that? Don't we want to go through the very temporary time of persecution in order that we would be with Christ and he would crown us? Which is the next point here. Christians who remain faithful will receive the crown. Christians who remain faithful will receive the crown. Yes, it's true that at times we are faithless, but he remains faithful. We just read that. But Paul here was concerned about finishing the race, to be faithful, to have that as the tombstone reading in a sense. He remained faithful to the end. And you can exhibit faithfulness or faithlessness through words or actions. We can confess Christ before men. We can deny Christ before men. We can live godly or we can live ungodly. James chapter 1, verse, verse 12 uh, talks about the crown of life and then also the crown of righteousness, Paul says, will be given to those who love his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, to eight, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So we have seen now the importance of having mentors and imitating them. We have seen the importance of enduring persecution for the truth. And now we come to the main instruction of this passage which is continue in God's word. That's in verses 14 to 16. Continue in God's word. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God. And then we'll do the rest of the... Verses next week. To continue means to keep going. To progress. To not stop. To abide. Keep abiding in the teaching. So Timothy had learned some things. And he needed to remember them. He needed to keep doing them. He needed to keep applying them. To keep obeying and there is a a stark contrast between verses one to nine when we see Janus and Jombrus and those men who oppose the truth not getting very far. Timothy needs to go far with his faith. He needs to go all the way to death. Whatever it takes to continue in God's word, he needs to do that. And so this is an encouragement to you that if you are not continuing in God's Word, then you need to start. And if you are continuing in God's Word, then you need to keep going. And why should we be concerned about continuing in God's Word? Well, because one of the very telltale signs of apostasy is rejection of God's Word. Haven't we seen that before? If someone has come out and uh, declared that they just aren't a believer anymore, and they might be asked the question, well, what's the linchpin? What caused the, con- the conversion or the uninstallment of your Christianity? And their answer is going to be, it's a problem with the Bible. It's a problem with scripture. And that's, what, that's the kind of world we live in. We live in a world of relentless attacks on the word of God. But Scripture will comfort you during times of persecution. It will protect you. It will strengthen you to persevere. It is the, as we talked about before, the very foundation of life and ministry. If we don't have the Word of God, then we won't be saved. We won't be conformed to Christ. And there are two ways that I'd like to point to you, that we can continue in God's word. And that is the first one, recall your spiritual heritage. Recall your spiritual heritage. And we see that in verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Recall the inception of your faith. Recall the history of your faith. Remember when you first put your faith in Christ. Remember the excitement. Remember the zeal. Remember the laser focus. How you thought there wasn't anything else in this world that was more important than Christ. And telling people they will go to hell if they don't believe in him. Remember the simplicity of it all. how it was just God said it and I need to obey it. I just read the Bible and I'm just trying to be faithful. Not many doubts, not many questions, not to say that doubts and questions are bad. But the most monumental period of a Christian's life is his conversion. And so we need to think about our spiritual heritage. How should we do that? Well, we can draw on what Timothy did, what Paul is telling Timothy to do. Lois and Eunice guided Timothy by scripture. Two big parts of Timothy's spiritual heritage are Lois and Eunice. And isn't that fitting then for mom and grandma to be here in this verse? And the reason I say that is because Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And we know from Acts 16 that Timothy's dad was a Greek. And so I think that means that Timothy's dad was not a believer. And so who was teaching Timothy in the home? Who was reminding him? of the word of God who was praying with him on a regular basis, his mom and grandma. Timothy had no doubt uh, many memories of his mother teaching him. Proverbs 1.8 says, hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. Your ministry, moms, in the home can have an eternal impact. Second way that Timothy and we can recall our spiritual heritage is that remembering that Scripture guided Timothy to salvation. Scripture guided Timothy to salvation. And there was a point of salvation for Timothy. There was a point of salvation for all of us. He was lost. He was lost in his sins. He was living according to his sinful desires. And then he was saved. And it was out of that learning from Scripture, it was out of that home ministry from Lois and Eunice and no doubt the rabbis at the synagogue and, and other mentors that Timothy might have had growing up, that he was led to faith. That, that's the natural thing that happens to someone who has been acquainted with the Scriptures. That's the f- main function of the Scriptures, to lead someone to salvation. James chapter 1, verse 21 talks about <clears throat> the word of God saving. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And then First Peter chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. This book, this Bible, this scripture, it's not another book of morality. It's not a self-help book. It's, It's not just another holy book. These are the sacred writings. And we've gotten away from this terminology, but... This is the Holy Bible, the Holy Scriptures. Another way to translate that sacred writings in verse 15. It is unique. It contains the message of salvation. Not only should Paul recall his spiritual heritage, and remember this is about persevering, continuing in God's word, remember, remember, remembering the inception of your faith, remembering what It was like to first believe in Christ, but also Timothy and we should be fully convinced of Scripture's nature. This is a declaration that Paul gives in verses 15 and 16, specifically 16, but I'll read 15 and 16. Those sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God. The nature of Scripture is that it is God-breathed. And Timothy already knows this. Paul doesn't need to convince him. There's no argument that Paul gives that uh, there are numerous passages in the Old Testament verified by archaeological findings or something like that. Timothy has already been told that the scripture is God breathed. And no other book is God breathed. That's obvious, but it's something worth pointing out. No other book is God breathed. No other book has life within it. Second Peter chapter one, verses twenty to twenty-one speaks to this point, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But how did the prophecy come about? Paul said, Peter says, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And think with me for a moment about the magnitude of this statement. Not only is it Uniquely God-breathed, the Scripture is uniquely God-breathed, but also think about what else God did with his breath, what else God did with his words. Fascinating. Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. The copies of Scripture that you have in your hand, God used his words Those same words to create the stars, create planets, create the sun. And of course, recreate your inner person. Also, we need to remember about Scripture's nature that it is foundational for life. And we're circling back around to the first two points that we made about imitating your mentors and enduring persecution. First of all, when it came to imitating your mentors, it was foundational for Paul. You have followed my teaching. Remember that he mentions my teaching first on purpose because his teaching was really the wellspring from which everything else came. It was foundational for Paul. It was foundational for Timothy. We had talked about and uh, the fact that Timothy were, was so... Um, competent, was so capable of teaching other people about Paul's teaching uh, that he was sent to the Corinthians to do that very task. And it's also foundational for us. The Scripture is foundational for us. It's foundational for our life and whatever ministry we are part of. And lastly, Scripture is strengthening in persecution. Scripture is strengthening in persecution. And this comes back around to endure persecution for the truth. The reason why Paul continued ministering the gospel is the Word of God. Remember, we we read from the first verse of this letter that Paul was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. He knew he would inevitably obtain that life, that eternal life in full once he was with Christ in glory. And that's why he continued enduring the persecution. And then also lastly, the fact that Paul would receive the crown of righteousness He knew that he had kept the faith and there was laid up for him the crown of righteousness which the Lord would give him. So I trust those are uh, encouragements to you to persevere, find mentors, imitate them, endure persecution for the truth and continue in God's word. Um. I will pray and then uh, I'll give a benediction. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to, to study your word and we do pray that you would change us and rec- help us to recognize that uh, despite difficult times coming, despite evil men getting worse and worse, uh, you have promised to be with us You have promised to ultimately deliver us, to conform us to the image of your Son. And you have laid upon us the responsibility. Uh, You have given the ample strength, but you have laid upon us the responsibility to keep going, to not stop, to remember what happened even in the beginning when you changed us and opened our eyes to behold your glory in the gospel of Christ. And so we pray that uh, you would help us to remember these things and be changed by them in Jesus' name, Amen. And Paul says in Second Timothy chapter four, verse eighteen, "The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever, Amen." You're dismissed.